I'm a mom of six kids. That means I do a lot of laundry. Keeping my family in clean clothes is a never-ending cycle of wash, dry, fold, put away. Wash, dry, fold, put away. Wash, dry, fold, put away. Hi, I'm Laura Booz. Welcome to the Women of the Bible podcast. In this season, my friend Erin Davis is leading us in a study about Deborah, a woman who served God faithfully in a seemingly never-ending cycle. We'll read Deborah's story in the book of Judges. It describes a cycle that the people of God were in for over 300 years. Even though God had delivered them from slavery in Egypt, even though He brought them to their promised land, and even though they knew the consequences of their sin, they put themselves in a spin cycle of disobedience over and over and over again. And yet over and over and over again, God raised up deliverers. The book of Judges tells us that over time, there were 12 judges, and one of them was a woman, handpicked by God to be a deliverer of God's people at just the right time. Deborah was a true woman who served the Lord in a distinctly feminine way. You know, this cycle of disobedience and deliverance didn't end in the period of the judges. As broken people living in a broken world, we continue to disobey and need God's great hand of deliverance. So I hope that as you open your Bible to the book of Judges and join us in this study of Deborah, that you too will look for the hand of your deliverer, Jesus. Let's join Aaron now. Okay, I'm dying to know your laundry secrets. How do you do your laundry? Go ahead, Stacy. The question is, do I do my laundry? That's the way we should start with that question. <laughs> no, I'm just playing. I, Eventually, everybody has to do You have their laundry. to. It's right. nothing. You can't go any further. Yeah. But I wait to the last minute. You do. I'm down to the last sock, and I'm like, I should probably throw a load in. Yeah. So that's kind of me. Okay. Not proud of it. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> you're being honest. I appreciate it. How about you, Laura? Not do you me. have a rhythm? Yes, I do. Every single Saturday, same time. It doesn't matter if I have a lot or little. Oh, <laughs> I'm well, impressed. I, I am, too. I always have a lot because I have four little boys. And so I feel like I'm always a mountain climber trying to summit Mount Laundry. <laughs> um, I don't know that I have much of a rhythm, but it gets done. Well, welcome to the Women of the Bible podcast. It's not a podcast about laundry. That might be an interesting podcast. I'm not sure, but we're here to open our Bibles, and uh, I'm glad you're here with me. I'd love for you to introduce yourselves to the women listening. We'll start with you, Laura. Tell us whatever we need to know about your life or your laundry. Well, my name is Laura Gonzalez, and I have the joy of working for Revival Hearts with the Spanish outreach of Viva Nuestros Corazones. Can you say it, Stacy? Aviva. I was going to try it, but should I, if I take it slow, I can probably get it out. Aviva Nuestros Corazones. Nuestros Corazones. You did that was good. Yes. Thank That's you. Right. <laughs> Love that. And Stacy, I've already said your name, but what else do we need to know? Um, I'm Stacy Rudolph. I'm a lead teacher with True Girl, so I really just have a passion for getting um, tweens into God's Word, studying that. His Word. Yeah. Love that. Well, like I said, this is not a podcast about laundry. We are here to talk about a specific woman in the Bible. Her name is Deborah. And Stacy, in case somebody is wondering where Deborah's story is in the Bible, where is it? It's found in the book of Judges. Laura, do you read the book of Judges often? Is it a favorite uh, spot? Once a year. It's not my favorite, especially the last chapter. It's not. Yeah. <laughs> Why is that? It is very depressing to see how f- low we can fall as God's people. So, right. yeah. Yeah. And it's wonderful to see God's grace. Right. But... Right. We're going to see both as we explore Deborah's life. And Deborah is 
one of the bright spots. God uses her in his redemptive story, as we'll talk about over these next several episodes. But in this episode, we just kind of want to get the big picture of the book of Judges so that we know what's going on as we really drill into Deborah's life. So let's start where we should in uh, Judges chapter one. So everybody turn there, Judges chapter one. So Judges chapter one, we're going to read a smattering of verses here. You like that word, smattering? Uh, We're going (laughs) to use a smattering of verses here in Judges chapter one. I'm going to warn you, there's some hard to pronounce words in here. Why would you do that to us? I'm sorry, I had to. (laughs) So let's just rip off the Band-Aid and assume we're all saying I'm wrong and go for (laughs) it. Okay, I'll go first. Let me read Judges chapter one, verse 29. And Ephraim did not drive out the Canaanites. Listen, if you're right in your Bible person, which I am, maybe circle or underline that phrase, did not drive out. You're going to see that over and over. Ephraim did not drive out the Canaanites who lived in Gezer. So the Canaanites lived in Gezer among them. I picked one with easy words. Okay. But Stacey, I'm going to give you verse 30. Not so easy there. Okay, here we go. Zebulun failed to drive out the residents of Katron or the residents of Nahalal. So the Canaanites lived among them and served as forced labor. Very good. Laura, can you give us 131? Asher did not drive out the inhabitants of Akko or the inhabitants of Sidon or of Ahlab or Ashib or Helba or Afik or, or Rehob. Okay. Can we still be friends? You're our bilingual member of the team. Yes. <laughs> you can keep reading through 32. Go ahead. So the Asherites lived among the Canaanites, the inhabitants of the land, for they did not drive them out. There you go. Okay, I'll take 33. Naphtali did not drive out the inhabitants. Here I'm getting a dose of my own medicine, of Beth Shemesh, or the inhabitants of Beth Anath. So they lived among the Canaanites, the inhabitants of the land. Nevertheless, the inhabitants of Beth Shemesh and of Beth Anath became subject to forced labor to them. Okay, there's a lot of names of places and people groups in there that might not mean anything to us, but what's the theme? What's the pattern? What's happening over and over and over in these first few verses of Judges? Laura, what do you see? Well, they failed to do something that the Lord had told them to do very specifically. They needed to drive out their enemies. Right. Mm -hmm. And they did not. Over and over it's saying, and they did not drive them out, and they did not drive them out, and they did not drive them out. That's the part for us to pay attention to, although certainly those other names matter. Laura, what does that reveal to us about the faith of the Israelites? The Israelites are God's chosen people. Mm-hmm. He's promised the land to them. He told them to drive out their enemies, and they did not. They did not. They right. did not. They did not. What does it show? Yeah, right. Yeah. And they, there's some partial obedience, right? They drive some people yeah. out. They drive some groups partially yeah. out. But I don't want my kids to just partially obey mm-hmm. me. I want them I to obey me all the way, right away. We say that's that a right. lot. And that's, that's not right. what God's mm-hmm. people did here. All right, Judges chapters 1 and 2, I like them because they're like two introductions. I'm a writer. I do the same thing. I go back and read my writing. I thought, oh, I wrote two introductory paragraphs there. (laughs) And so did the author of Judges. And both of these chapters, 1 and 2, they tell about this cycle that the Israelites were locked into. We're going to talk about that cycle in this episode. And that's why I started with laundry. Man, does laundry feel like an endless cycle or what? Yeah, there's the spin cycle, but there's just the cycle of, okay, I put the laundry in, I move the laundry, I fold the laundry, I put the laundry up. Um, And that reminds me of this cycle that we're going to study in this episode. Laura, can you read us Judges 2, 11 through 17? This is like the flyover of the book of Judges. It's Judges at a glance. It's going to give us a glimpse of what God is going to do in this book. Judges 2, 11 through 17. 
It says, And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. And they abandoned the Lord God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. They went after other gods from among the gods of the peoples who were around them and bowed down to them. And they provoked the Lord to anger. They abandoned the Lord and served the Baals and the Ashtaroth. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And he gave them over to plunderers who plundered them. And he sold them into the hand of their surrounding enemies so that they could no longer withstand their enemies. Whenever they marched out, the hand of the Lord was against them for harm, as the Lord had warned and as the Lord had sworn to them, and they were in terrible distress. Then the Lord raised up judges who saved them out of the hand of those who plundered them. Yet they did not listen to their judges, for they whored after other gods and bowed down to them. They soon turned aside from the way in which their fathers had walked, who had obeyed the commandments of the Lord, as they did not do so. Laura, I could listen to you read scripture in that Dominican accent all day long. <laughs> it's so beautiful. One thing that really helps me as I study the Bible is to take things out of paragraph form and put them in lines or in bullet points or in a graph. If you were outlining this, what were the steps? We saw them first. What did the Israelites do over and over? They failed to drive them out. They disobeyed. They, they worshipped. Provoked. They, they provoked the Lord and yes. worshipped other gods. They worshipped other gods. We see the names of those Old Testament gods yes. sometimes. And what is that? Well, it's it's mm-hmm. idolatry. They're worshipping mm-hmm. something other than the Lord. And then the Lord responds to them over and yes. over. If we were mapping them, the Lord doesn't just let that go on. The Lord can't just let that go on. Mm-hmm. So what does the Lord do? He gives them into the hands of their enemies. He does, right? Yes, just as he promised, he said. Yeah, isn't it fascinating that it's Mm -hmm. often those enemies whose Mm -hmm. gods they worship. It's like, if you want to be like them, you could be like them. Uh, But it doesn't ever go well. And there's a phrase here that jumped out at me as you were reading, Laura. I'm not sure I caught it before. And they were in terrible distress. distress. Describe what it's like, because I think we might be in a moment like this now. What kinds of things are going on when a whole people group, when a whole culture is in terrible distress? Well, can I jump in? I think it's interesting because they're in distress in two ways. So they're enslaved spiritually because they're now under their gods, worshiping their gods. And they're enslaved physically because of the forced labor. So I can only imagine the kind of distress that is, you know. Right. I think it brings anxiety. I think it brings just an unsettled, Mm -hmm. an unsettled and you know you kind of did it to yourself mm-hmm. a little bit. So it's just a really heavy distress. And there's got to be some powerlessness. Yes. Like, I, I, powerless. We can't get ourselves out of this mm-hmm. situation. Right, right. And when people feel powerless, mm-hmm. what do we do? Panic. Yeah, we panic. <laughs> that wasn't a trick question. <laughs> I know, right? I was like, That's right. I'm panicking. I think we panic. I feel panic. <laughs> and we run to someone or something yes. to help. To give us relief. And sometimes it's not God. Right. Mm-hmm. Often, I yeah. think, it's Often not God. Often it's not God. Right. Yeah. And so then the Lord rises up, judges, which right there we see his mercy in this Mm -hmm. first couple of chapters because he could just say, Mm -hmm. okay, yeah, this is what you wanted. Right. But he rises up, judges, and it's one of those judges we're going to focus on in this season of Women of the Bible. But there's a cycle here um, that we're going to call in this season of the podcast the 4D cycle. You guys named them first, disobedience, then, the Lord's discipline. discipline, then desperation. That's and they were in terrible distress. We could mm-hmm. substitute distress there for desperation, and then deliverance, mm. which is ultimately mercy. So that's uh, again why I thought of the laundry cycle. I wash it, 
Yes. I dry it. I fold it. Some people put their laundry away. Mine, mine just stays in the laundry room forever. Like it's all done in desperation. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I don't do. Sometimes I have my boys put their own laundry away, and they use the method I call stuff and slam. <laughs> just, just stuff and slam it in, and then it's you know unfolded. But over and over and over and over again. And that's the cycle we see in the book of Judges. And really a great backdrop for us to keep in mind, again, as we talk about Deborah. So let's insert ourselves into that cycle, because I think every human can insert themselves into that cycle. Let's think personally about our own lives and that 4D cycle. This is not a trick question, but I already know the answer. Have you ever disobeyed God, Laura? Yes, I have. Yeah. Can you think of some examples? Um, one that is comes to mind, when we came to the Lord, we were living our own lives. You were adults, right? Yes. Yeah. We were adults. We were living in the in the U.S. We were living in Florida. My husband was a dentist, and we were living to spend a lot of money, money that we did not have yet because it was just debt. Mm. And then when we came to the Lord, that brought conviction. We sold everything. We didn't have any debt. We moved to the DR. And after two or three years, we started falling into the same pattern. Mm. Just of acquiring debt, buying yes. things you can afford. Sure. Things that we didn't need. Mm. And then all of a sudden, the Lord just closed the faucet. Mm. My husband's patience starts, oh, I can't come. Oh, this thing fell off. Something started happening. And we're like, what is going on? Mm. And we could understand the Lord was just telling us, you're not going to fall into that same pattern yeah. again. Well, you were experiencing But discipline. we felt sure. oppression. We yeah. were oppressed because we... Not, money was not coming in. Mm. And and I remember the day, because it was basically my husband. It was with my husband that the Lord was dealing. My husband just fell on the floor of his practice mm. in desperation. Wow. And he cried out mm. because he knew that he had, you know, gone wandering. Sure. And the Lord, one day, a patient comes in with a huge amount of work. And it all started coming back mm. again. But he waited for my husband to humble himself and cry out to the Lord. And you just illustrated all four steps. Yes, yes. Disobedience, mm -hmm. discipline, yeah. desperation, yep. deliverance. Stacy, can you think of a time when you put yourself in the 4D cycle? I'm like, unfortunately, which time? Yeah, but, yeah I'm the same. Um, I think the one that sticks out to me the most is in terms of what God was calling me to do as far as working for him and just ministry and all of that. And I was really on a path. I was doing well. Um, well how old would you say you were? Uh, maybe 23. Okay. And well, 25 because I had started when I was 23. I had done like two years with True Girl, um, and I was tired. I'm like, I need a break. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm going to— It's demanding. Yeah, I was like, I'm going to stop this. I'm going home. I need to rest up. And I felt God telling me, push through. Keep going, push through. And I was like, nah, I'm going home. Mm. And I went home, and I did have that just heaviness of, this is not where I'm meant to be right now. And just that discipline in a couple ways, he kind of showed me that I had made the wrong decision, but he was giving me the grace to get back on track. Mm -hmm. So I definitely felt that then. Then I came back and it was hard, but it felt so much better to be in the will of God. Yeah, do you ever, we could do it now, just use your imagination and imagine if you'd persevered in that disobedience, if you just oh. dug in your heels and I'm not going to do ministry, oh. I'm, I'm not. You had the free will to choose that, right? but yes. the discipline wouldn't have led up. I'm, I have many big examples like that, but the example that comes to mind for me is when the, I know I'm supposed to apologize to somebody. Mm. And my pride every time, my pride is the first one on the scene always. And my pride will tell me I don't have to apologize, that 
they are the one that wronged me, that I'm making a big deal out of it. If I apologize, it's going to get worse instead of better. And I would say five years ago, I would have just continued to resist. I think now I'm quicker to Mm -hmm. send a lot of apology texts. (laughs) But there's still some resistance and and it's disobedience. You know, I know I'm supposed to repent when I have hurt somebody. Um, I hope I will grow in grace enough that at some point I will apologize without any internal resistance. Mm -hmm. But. And it's just amazing how gracious God is because he knows that that's our bend as far as our flesh and stuff. Mm -hmm. He's still willing to um, discipline us out of love and to help us get back on track and in his will. Right. It is amazing. I think we all have a context for disobedience. You know, we've experienced it. We've done it. But let's talk a little bit more about divine discipline. That is something that maybe we don't all know what it looks like or maybe we don't recognize when it comes. You mentioned a heaviness. Yes. You mentioned this, the faucet getting turned off. Yes, yes. What are some other ways that divine discipline can look like, can feel like? How can we experience it? I think circumstances press us. Um, lack of joy. Mm. I've been there when I'm fall into my struggles of discontentment. I feel lack of joy. So that's Ooh, I feel like we could put discontentment in the four D cycle. Yes. Oh, that yeah. is definitely part of it. Yeah. 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 I think I definitely feel I'm more of an internal processor. Mm. So I feel confusion. And I know God is not the author of confusion. So I'm like sitting there and I'm like, I'm Your own so voice lost. gets louder. Yeah, and I'm just going round and round. And it's not that when I'm following him, I don't have questions. Of course sure. you have questions, but it's nowhere near as much confusion as when I'm out of his will. Yeah. So For me, my appetites get all out of whack. Mm-hmm. My spiritual appetites. Like I would never crave scripture in my own flesh. I don't. Or crave to do right or crave to treat people right. That's not me as Aaron. And so I feel like when I'm outside of the will of God, my my appetites for those things, they just dry up. I just don't want to read my Bible because there's conviction there, right? I don't necessarily want to be with the people of God because there's conviction there. I don't know that that's always discipline. Maybe sometimes it's just a consequence, but I've learned to recognize that as, uh uh-oh, something's off. Yeah, and it's always replaced with something like either you're watching too much TV or food is out of whack. I was going to say, I'd be snacking too much. Yeah, (laughs) like the spiritual alertness is not there, and you fall into temptation easier. Your flesh takes over easier. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think we can all relate to that. All right. Well, the Israelites experienced divine discipline, and they were not quick repenters. So, Stacy, can you take us to Judges 4? You're going to read us 1 through 3. Again, sorry, an, uh, another hard name or two to pronounce <laughs> in there. But we really want to pay attention to a few words at the end of these verses. Judges 4, 1 through 3. The Israelites again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord after Ehud had died. So the Lord sold them to King Jabin of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. The commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in Herosheth of the nations. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord, because Jabin had 900 iron chariots, and he harshly oppressed them 20 years. Okay, there's a lot in there. It all matters. Sisera is going to become important. He's the general of the enemy army. We're going to see God's people fight. The The geography is actually going to become important. We're going to talk about that. Those 900 chariots, we're going to talk about those. But for now, I want you to look in the passage. How long did Israel persist in their disobedience? Or how long did they experience the Lord's divine discipline? 
20 years. 20 years. That's a long time. That's, That's right there really on verse 3. That feels mm-hmm. like an unthinkable amount of time to me to be under that heaviness mm-hmm. of the Lord's discipline. Think about the nation. Babies were born yes. and grew up into young men and women in that time. Young men and women became not so young men and women in that time. Mm-hmm. People died mm-hmm. yes. while still under the Lord's discipline. Why do you think 20 years? Why do you think it took them so long to move to the next step? which is desperation, based on your own experience or what you see in the culture. Why 20 years? Well, you know, I was wondering about this when I just when I read it, what that looked like. Was it kind of like a frog in a pot where mm. it started out kind of slow and it was getting hot and then all of a sudden, you know, you're like, oh, my goodness, I'm boiling. I've I read boiling. recently that that's a logical fallacy, that frogs don't actually do that. And I'm like, well, it's a life <laughs> truth. Right. I'm like, you gave I've it to us now. We got to keep it. Many yeah. times. I'm like, right. I got to keep it for the sake of this yeah, story. Right. <laughs> But yeah, I wonder if it was like a slow build, like they didn't really feel the captivity mm-hmm. for a while and then they realized that they had been enslaved or if mm-hmm. it was like immediate. That was something I was thinking through. How do you not know you're enslaved? But I guess it could You know be what slow. I'm saying? Like yeah. it, it sometimes it could I think it's just yeah. hard-heartedness. Mm. We are yeah. so hard-hearted that we don't even know that we are oppressed. Yes. Right? We don't even know it until you know the Lord in his mercy. Yeah. Brings kind of opens your eyes. Yeah. Opens our eyes. And don't you think we will try any other way? To get out of the pot yes. of boiling water, it may have taken them 20 years to exhaust all of their own right. mm-hmm. strength or their own resources or whatever they thought they yeah. could yeah. do yeah. to save themselves. That's right. Well, after 20 years of oppression, they eventually do cry out for a deliverer, mm-hmm. and the Lord is faithful to give them one. Laura, can you jump us ahead in the story a little bit, but read us Judges chapter 2, verse 18. Okay. Whenever the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge, and he saved them from the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For the Lord was moved to pity by their groaning because of those who afflicted and oppressed them. I have that sentence underlined in red in my Bible. For the Lord was moved to pity by their groaning because of those who afflicted and oppressed them. We see God's character so consistent throughout Mm -hmm. all of Scripture. It reminds me of a story in Luke the story of the prodigal son and his dad, he, you know, he runs away from the Lord. He runs away from his father and he ends up eating pig slop. Mm -hmm. And when he comes back, it's this, Mm -hmm. the father was moved to pity. It's not the father shamed his son. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not the father said you're cut off from his son. Mm -hmm. It's this. And of course that's a parable that the Lord told Mm -hmm. about the Father. So I love it. I think it's so awesome that you just, you see God's heart. I Mm -hmm. think so often we think that he's kind of keeping a checklist against Mm -hmm. us and like he's just kind of accusing us in that way. Where do you think that view of God comes from? Because I feel that way too. And it's not what we see in scripture. No, I think it... I think it comes from our own shame, our own guilt mm-hmm. from the enemy. Mm-hmm. And I think it causes us to negate and ignore the grace of God. Yeah, I think so, you're right. Yeah. But scripture's really clear that what he felt for yeah. them instead was pity, and they must have been yeah. pitiful. And even though verse 216 says that the Lord raised the judges who saved them out of the hand of those who plundered them, and yet they did not listen to the judges. So even though he sent the deliverer, they were not listening to the deliverer for a while. Right. And even so, he was moved to pity. Laura, you're our most seasoned parent here. Tell us a story from your daughter or your grandchildren that communicates that we discipline because we love them. Well, just yesterday I was babysitting my grandkids, And I was busy with the three older ones, and apparently 
their father just arrived and the, the garage was going up. And my smallest grandkid just opens the garage door, runs out to the street to Let meet me guess, him. guess, he's a boy. He's a boy. Yeah, I could tell. <laughs> and, of course, his dad just came out of the car and took him and disciplined him because, because he loves him. He doesn't want him to run to the street and get... <laughs> you know, get crushed by a car. So he was trying to discipline him because he loves him and he wants him to be secure. So sometimes God does that that for us. He does. And you didn't even know that he was had escaped. No. I, I, I was with the other ones and he was just running out and I didn't even realize it. Yeah. Love I think that about story. that with my parents. One time I remember I skipped school and my Uh-oh. mom I know, right? <laughs> I know. <laughs> lock me up, lock me up. But my mom was just livid and she's like, I think you're in one place and you're all around the city doing this and that. I think you're safe and you're not, you know? Yeah. And so I remember being on punishment for like it felt like six months. It probably wasn't that long. If you were my girl, it might have been six I'd months. I'd still be on punishment. Yeah. <laughs> well, we've talked about it in our own personal lives. We've all experienced this. But let's think about it corporately. Whole cultures, whole people groups, whole nations, whole worlds. Mm-hmm. So that's really what the book of Judges is about. It's not about one person being mm-hmm. in the cycle of right. four Ds. It's about God's people being in yes. the cycle of four Ds. So what does it look like when a whole culture rebels? What does it look like when a whole nation rebels? What What are the signs of that, that a whole group of people is disobeying God? Mm-hmm. Well, I think we see it nowadays. I think so, too. Um, and it all starts with the church. Mm-hmm. And you see when the church starts to drift from the word. Mm-hmm. You see when they start not putting the word first and how the people are not growing. They're not being discipled, and you see their lives just falling apart, mm-hmm. and we become just like the culture, and the and the church loses its saltiness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think it's when we as a culture, too, start to call what God sees as evil, we call it good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anything that's going on that we know, the church knows if we're in his word, we know it's against him, and we embrace it yeah. as a culture, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, we go with the day, culture. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's the sign. Mm-hmm. I think so, too. And I think right here in Judges 1 and 2, we can see what it is, is captivity. Yes. You know, when yes. we're held captive, we we mm-hmm. are in a culture where we are captive to our desires. Mm-hmm. We are captive to these ideas of mm-hmm. my right, yeah. my privilege. Self. Uh, we're captive to self, and mm-hmm. those things own us. And so, you know... Mm-hmm. There hasn't ever been a golden age of morality. There hasn't ever been, well, since Eve took the Mm -hmm. bite of the forbidden fruit, there hasn't ever been a time where an entire culture Mm -hmm. was walking in step with the Lord. But there have been. This cycle ebbs and flows as cycles do. And I think we fall into the idols of today, which are not all these names that we're mm-hmm. reading here, but just the idol of self and yeah. self-promotion and, and self in all its and ways. Money. And money and, and power, power and sex. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. We could just swap those names yeah. in. Which, you know, Revive Our Hearts is a ministry committed to revival. And if we didn't believe that the cycle of the 40s could ever be mm-hmm. interrupted, we just thought, well, humans will always disobey and right. that's just the way it is. There would be no hope for revival. And God mm-hmm. can revive individual hearts. He's revived mine. Yeah. He's revived yeah, yours. Right. He's revived yours. Yeah, I think it's so interesting that you said rights when we focus mm-hmm. on our rights. And mm-hmm. even you just said when we get so focused on self. And I think it was Dr. Adrian Rogers. He had a quote that I love. And he said, 
teach a man his rights and you'll have a revolution. Teach him his responsibilities and you'll have a revival. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, that is deep. Like, if we know the word of God, if we know what God is calling us to do, Mm -hmm. what we're responsible to do, Mm -hmm. think about the revival we'll have instead of focusing Mm -hmm. on self and what we feel we deserve. And And I want revival. Yes. Yes. I know you do, too. And I think we can look at the book of Judges a couple of ways. We can look at it and go, this is so discouraging Mm -hmm. because the people... Keep doing it over and over. If you you could just go through the book of Judges and circle the word again, mm-hmm. and yes. you'd be like, "Oh my goodness, that's in there a lot." And we could see ourselves in that, and we could see our society in it. And it could just be like, "Oh, there's no hope for us." But actually, that's not what this book is about. It is a book about revival, mm-hmm. about the what God does in the midst of our mm-hmm. disobedience, what He wants to do, what He wants yeah. to do, what He can do, what He has done, and that's you know the lens we want to put over. Mm-hmm. this book as we dive in. I want to look at two more verses as we're wrapping it up about the Lord's discipline that I think will set the tone rightly, and it's about why God disciplines mm-hmm. us. Um, Stacy, can you read us Proverbs chapter 3, verse 2? Yes. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves, just as a father disciplines the son in whom he delights. Good. So why does the Lord discipline us? Because he loves us. Because he loves loves us us too much to leave us the same. And delights in us. Yes. Mm -hmm. Delights in us. So I tend towards being squashed. That's just my way. You know, I think, I feel crushed (laughs) under the hand of the Lord sometimes Mm -hmm. and crushed under my own sin. And it's good for me to remember anytime he disciplines me, Mm -hmm. it's because he delights in me. Laura, the same principle is in the New Testament in the book of Hebrews. Can you read us Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6? Yes, it's for the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. Mm. So really, the book of Judges, I'm always trying to add subtitles to books of the Bible because I'm a writer. You know, we could subtitle it, you know, the Lord disciplines those he loves. Mm -hmm. The Lord's chastisements Mm -hmm. for those he receives. Mm -hmm. God's discipline for the people he delights in. Those would be accurate subtitles. Mm -hmm. I'm not adding to the Bible, but to help us understand. What are the themes of this book? Mm -hmm. So one more time, let me take us back to laundry. And let's think about our doing laundry. What parts of the laundry do we do? We haul the clothes all into the laundry room in my house. And then we put them in the washing machine. And then we put them in the dryer. But what parts do we do and what parts do the machine do? Well, we do the actual work of putting the clothes in, but the machine... Yeah. Machine gets them clean. We That's just get right. it there. We and just bring it. Does there. the work? Right. And we do just, we dry it? We are just available. No. We're just available. We don't dry it. We don't dry it. We don't have like a hair dryer or no. our our breath. No, <laughs> dry clothes dry. Mm-hmm. Uh, they would never get dry. And I think there's a. It's an interesting way to think about the cycle of four Ds: mm-hmm. disobedience, discipline, distress, deliverance. Mm-hmm. What part do we do? Distress, desperation. Yes. Desperation. That's right. And disobedience. And the disobedience. That's it. Yeah. That's all we yeah. can do. Yeah. <laughs> all we can do is run from God and cry out to God. Mm-hmm. Yes. And what does he do? Delivers. He listens to us. He does. He inclines mm-hmm. his ears to our prayers. Mm-hmm. He has pity on us. Yes. He does. And then he delivers. He is the deliverer. Yes. And so we'll talk about Deborah, as who God used as a deliverer. But we'll keep in mind that it's God who delivers. Stacey, Laura, I know there are women listening who are in the disobedience phase. Right now, as they've been listening to this podcast, that heaviness, that weight of conviction has fallen under them, and they want to squirm out from underneath it, and they need to hear us to 
tell them that's a safe thing to do. So Stacy, just speak right to the heart of that woman who is in disobedience. I'd say surrender sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. Run to God in love. Don't run from him in fear. Mm-hmm. I've, I've learned that. And I think the best thing you can do is bring the brokenness you, you have, the brokenness you are to God immediately, whatever you're going through. And Laura, why don't you pray for any woman in that situation? Okay. Thank you, Lord, for this time around your word and just seeing how you are so faithful and long-suffering and and you just want us to come to you in repentance. And I pray for the women listening. I pray for that woman right now that knows she's in disobedience Mm -hmm. and that she's just finding it difficult to come around and and cry out and and just repent. And I pray that by your spirit, you might talk to her, you might woo her into you and talk to her heart by your spirit that she may surrender to you and cry out to you and that she might just come to you in obedience. And I pray to all women out there that are desperate, that have been crying out for a long time for deliverance, that they know that you are faithful, that you are good, and that your discipline is your love for them and that you will deliver them, that they can humble themselves under your mighty hand and that you will exalt them in due time. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Erin Davis has been leading us in a discussion about cycles, along with Stacy Rudolph and Laura Gonzalez. Can you relate to that cycle, that pattern of disobedience, discipline, distress, and deliverance? As you study the story of Deborah in the book of Judges, I hope you feel God calling you to repent, to obey, and to enjoy his gift of deliverance through Christ. To help you study this more, Aaron Davis has written a Bible study. It's called Deborah, Becoming a Woman of Valor. Just imagine how much you will get out of Deborah's story when you study for yourself and then go back and listen to the Woman of the Bible videos or podcast, or even better, gather a group of women together, go through the study together and listen to the discussion or watch the video together. To order Deborah, Becoming a Woman of Valor, just visit reviveourhearts.com slash womenofthebible. That's also where you can watch this conversation on video. Again, it's reviveourhearts.com slash women of the Bible. On our next episode, Aaron recognizes a temptation to manipulate. Man, can I be verbose. I cannot watch it on my son's faces. That's the 37th time she said that exact same thing. Uh, and so I could just repeat, 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 repeat. Thankfully, Aaron and the team will look to the example of Deborah and see how we can influence those around us without manipulating. I'm Laura Booz, hoping you'll join us again next time on the Women of the Bible podcast. Women of the Bible is a production of Revive Our Hearts, calling women to freedom, fullness, and fruitfulness in Christ. Oh, and one more thing. If you enjoy hearing Aaron on Women of the Bible, I hope you'll also check out her Bible teaching podcast. It's called The Deep Well. You're going to love it. So often loneliness is not something that is forced upon us. It's not just our circumstances. Most of the time, loneliness is a path that we choose to walk. Subscribe to The Deep Well with Aaron Davis on your favorite podcast app or just visit ReviveOurHearts.com.